Hello and welcome to Dairy Pod. I'm John Penry from Dairy Australia. In this episode, Dairy Australia's Industry Insights and Analysis Manager, John Droppett, and Industry Analyst, Eliza Redfern, discuss some of the findings from the recently released March 2023 Situation and Outlook Report. You will hear about some of the key drivers of the current domestic market situation. High retail prices have been injecting significant value into the supply chain, and strong competition amongst processors has seen farmers offered even more for their milk. With market volatility and uncertainty globally, the discussion also covers the outlook for Australia's milk production and what all of this means for milk prices moving into the next season. Eliza Redfern, welcome back to Dairy Pod. Thanks, good to be here. Hasn't been that long this time, so um, uh, well, we're, we're going to have a little bit of a chat about uh, Situation Outlook Report, uh, which you are the lead author of this time yeah. for your uh, your first go at holding the big steering wheel and uh, yeah. and running the ship. Um, let's mix up a few more metaphors there. Yeah. We'll jump straight into it. Um, can, yeah. can you give us an overview of the, the latest Situation Outlook report? Obviously, uh, the March report uh, just come out uh, in the first week of March. Can you yeah give us a, give us an overview of what's going on? Yeah, well, obviously, you know, there's a there's a lot going on. I feel like there always is with dairy. So many different things happening. Um, you know, inflation is high globally. That's been a big one, particularly over 22 and sort of leading into this year as well. Uh, forecast to remain quite high. So we've been seeing that that's, you know, having this flow on effect to, uh, you know, broader consumption globally, purchasing, um, also importing patterns as well. Um, and those kinds of things have really changed and adapted to, you know, to this current, to the current market. Um, we're seeing that consumers, are, you know, they're, they're paying more and Australians are paying more for basically everything at the moment. I think we're all in the same boat there. But um, you know, consumers are paying more for dairy at the moment too. Um, and farmers are paying more as well, paying more for inputs. Input costs are quite high at the moment too. Um, they've been quite strong. So um, we've seen that fodder has joined, joined you know, that that crew there of uh, high grain prices, high fat prices. Um, and, you know, I think that's probably been a, I guess the, the floods have been a bit of a catalyst there for the fodder side of things. So that seems to have joined the story there as well after remaining stable for quite a while. Um, and then, of course, we're you know we're seeing what that situation is with our milk production. It's a bit of a bit of a hot topic at the moment. Um, how we've been tracking, um, and you will probably agree, John. There's been quite a few different constraints on on Australia's milk flows at the moment. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you mentioned um, we we mentioned milk production. Let's you know mm -hmm. let, let's have a chat about that firstly. It's a, it's a hot topic. Um, and increasingly so as we lead up to the new season. Um, and there's probably something I can shed a little bit of light on. Part of my role is is producing those milk production forecasts, and I think a lot of people will be aware um, that the floods uh, had had a had a sharp impact on milk through um, you know late October, but especially into November. Um, it's interesting we've really seen that moderate since. So the industry. Um, has recovered quite strongly or quite quickly from um, the immediate impact of the floods. That's not to say individual farmers, you know, aren't working working through those impacts and and will be for a very long period of time. Uh, but the interesting thing we see with a lot of these natural disasters is, uh, you know, the impact on milk is usually a lot uh, a lot more modest than what you'd expect. You know, people work around it. The cows have still got to be milked. You know, farms looking after the cows. Uh, is is the number one priority anyway, and so therefore, 
um, you know, you tend to see milk production get up and going, even while there's going to be a whole lot of other issues to manage um, on farm and post farm gate things like uh, you know dumping of milk is obviously uh, you know not something you want to be doing for any period of time either. So those supply chain issues tend to be resolved. But what we're seeing at the moment, um, you know, floods aside, is that uh, milk production is down on last year. Um, it's it's down a bit over, uh, I think, close to seven percent for the season to date. Uh, but from January, we, we've seen um, the year-on-year growth rates actually uh, decreasing quite sharply. We've, we've pulled back to sort of, you know, threes and fours uh, in terms of the percentage change. Um, at first, that could be uh, that could be a sign things are changing. But what the issue is, is that from January onwards last year, we had much weaker milk production. So it's actually just the comparison months are much weaker. Uh, so the same pressures are there for milk production it hasn't changed. It's just that the year we're comparing or the month we're comparing it to has. So the, the long and the short of it is milk production is still tight, partly due to floods, uh, but I think more so due to those longer term influences. So you know shortage of labour we've talked about before, um, you know attractiveness of beef markets, uh, you know a lot of farmers um, you know looking to exit or, or planning to exit or just reducing you know stocking rates and. Um, you know, focusing on something else. So milk, uh, milk's going to remain really tight, and I think that's not going to change uh, from now through till June. We're certainly um, expecting competition will be fierce uh, for the milk that's available. Our our forecast um, has been uh, updated, as you'll know, Liza. It's been published in the report. Uh, it's a four to six percent decrease for the full season, uh, which is quite a change on um, on the original forecast back in um, May and June last year for a flat milk pool. Um, you know, I think we've seen probably a smaller response to um, to high prices, high farm gate prices than what we expected back then. Uh, we've seen these labour constraints persist. We've seen the cost situation really um, remaining, you know, under quite a lot of pressure. Uh, you know, those so, so margins have been compressed by that. Uh, one thing I will jump in and say though uh, about cost is that one bright spot has been, you know, fertiliser prices. Uh, starting to come down, uh, particularly nitrogenous fertilisers. That's something that, um, you know, getting out and about over the last couple of weeks, um, you know, people have been looking at that with uh, with, with a bit of hope, at least um, in the short term, that, you know, there might be some um, uh, some relief there. Um, but that's, that's, that's enough of me talking about milk production. I mean, again, the linkage I really want to make is that while we're talking about competition for milk, um, you know, if we're considering... You know, processors competing for that milk. They've obviously um, got to be putting that, you know, the product that they're manufacturing somewhere that's going to provide the return in order to fund that competition because otherwise things aren't going to be sustainable. So I really want to throw back to you to talk about what's going on in the domestic market. You mentioned inflation before. Um, you know, are, are we seeing encouraging signs in the domestic market when we think about it in terms of uh, of sustaining, you know, a strong farm gate price into the new season? Yeah, well, I think if we sort of look at what's happening in the retail space, there's been a lot of change. And I think with inflation, I mean, as we just covered, costs are up everywhere. So consumers are looking for any means necessary or possible, really, to try and cut down on costs. Um, I think dairy is in a good position. It's considered a staple product. Um, so that really does support it, obviously, being, you know, a, a food category. You know, everyone's got to eat. <laughs> um, and, you know, dairy is obviously a really versatile product that a lot of Australians love to consume. So that really does support the consumption picture there, despite sort of seeing those those volumes for the for the key dairy categories declining slightly, um, you know, dur during this time. But 
But retail prices are really quite high. Um, and so that's sort of injecting, you know, a lot of value back into the supply chain at the moment. Um, and I think, you know, that that total value for those main categories is up, you know, anywhere around 10%. So it's it's quite a large, it's quite a large increase that we have been seeing. And uh, that we arguably, you know, haven't haven't seen for quite a while or even before. So it's quite an unprecedented situation at the moment. Um, but yeah, consumers are sort of looking for different ways to to cut on those costs. Um, and I think within dairy, we're seeing a couple of different ways. Um, firstly, just from the way that consumers actually do their shopping and where they're buying products from. There's been, you know, a higher higher portion of Australian households who are looking in shopping between different retailers, just seeing, you know, where are the specials at? Because I think we've all sort of noted that these promotions are not being offered as often as they were before. Um, and when they are being offered, they're, you know, not to the same extent or the size. So we're not really seeing those 40% off uh, tickets anymore. Um, although if you do find them, then that's pretty good. Maybe <laughs> maybe snap that up. Um, but, yeah, we're sort of seeing that these promotions are a little bit lower. They might be around that, you know, 10 to 15% off um, and, again, not offered as much. So that's something that consumers are looking for. They're buying a bit more on promotion if they can. Um, the situation is a little bit different for dairy because, obviously, is you know, for a lot of those perishable um, items within dairy, it is a little bit harder to sort of, you know, wait, wait for the promotion or something because you need you need that milk in your fridge and you need, you know, that cheese <laughs> for yeah. those toasties and those sandwiches. So. So it's a little bit different. Um, so, yeah, I think, again, it just comes back to sort of the merit of dairy is a really nutritional, healthy food that is incorporated in so many different diets and ways um, across Australia. Are we starting to see an increase in, in private label as well? I mean, obviously. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, 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 exactly. So obviously with those private label products, they tend to be sold at a cheaper price point uh, in comparison to branded products. Um, so, you know, that, that can differ a bit as well. But we are seeing that consumers, particularly in the milk space, are looking um, to, you know, purchase those private label products more um, just as a way that they can still consume that dairy. They can still have it within their diet. Um, they're just, yeah, choosing whatever's cheapest on the shelf. Now, you mentioned before inflation and um, the cost increases and all of those things are you know, not just confined to Australia. Um, can you talk us through what's happening on the global market? Because on one, on, on one hand, we've seen, uh, again, in, you know, inflation is, is happening across many different markets at, at the retail level. Um, but you know, people watch, who, who watch the global dairy trade auctions or who, who look at dairy commodity prices have seen prices really coming off um, over the last nine months now um you know can you talk through the global market situation at the moment it's you know a little bit of a contrast there really with what's happening on supermarket shelves yeah yeah so inflation has been a big uh, a big factor when we look at global consumption and importing um and we've seen you know in some key exporting regions so if we're talking about um us parts of europe um new zealand as well but, but particularly in those northern hemisphere um regions we've been seeing that consumption uh, in those regions has has come down a bit and they've sort of um I guess been seeing a bit of a you know some a bit of a rebound in their milk production recently um and so that I guess that slight rebound um in comparison uh, sort of just coupled with um you know those that changes in consumption there's been a bit of an increase in that exportable product so there's been more product available to be exported um and with that quieter demand globally, um, those commodity prices have come down internationally. Um, and it has been quite a drop probably over the last maybe six months or so now. So it's been quite a quite a drop there that we've been seeing. But in contrast to Australia, our prices have remained quite firm. 
So we obviously haven't been seeing the growth that some of these other key exporting regions have been seeing. Um, and so because of that, you know, that that smaller milk pool and the limited products that we do have available for export, it's uh, essentially been sort of, I guess, insulating uh, our prices from those global pressures. Um, and so there has been marginal price movement with our export commodities. So they have remained quite firm. But we're seeing that the way that, you know, international buyers are, are purchasing and looking to purchase dairy is a lot more on an as-needed basis at the moment um, because of the changes with consumption globally. Um, so they're not buying as many volumes. Um, and that's quite a change from the last couple of years. I mean, you know, during the pandemic, the peak pandemic years, there was um, global demand was really quite robust. It was very strong. Um, there was also a lot of purchasing around the security picture, you know, with all of the shipping challenges and the delays there. So they're importers are trying to secure that product and make sure that they've got it in their warehouses so that they can distribute it. Um, so it's a very it's a very big shift in that purchasing these days is a lot more financially focused from that point of view um, because that consumption picture has changed. So they are looking for products that is, that is cheaper. Um, but I think that's something that's quite positive for the Australian industry and is probably a testament to you know, all the work that's been done over the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years within this industry has been the relationships that we've, we've developed with these key global markets. Um, and, you know, we're seeing that a lot of demand for our product at the moment um, is centred a lot around, you know, this reliance for our products, the fact that our product is really high quality and that they they have been incorporating it within these within these um within these products and whether it's you know the the provenance side of things if it if it's a product that's retail facing and it's got you know australian made on it well they've obviously <laughs> they've got to buy our product of course so um and that's a key selling point for them so um that's sort of been fueling a lot of the the consistent demand for our for our product one of the questions that you know comes up from time to time is uh, at the moment it's about china obviously mm. um you know dominant uh, not the only, but uh, you know, a dominant dairy importing market. Um, what's the what's the latest indications there? Obviously, you know, they had they had lockdowns, and then they had more lockdowns, and more lockdowns, and then all of a sudden, no lockdowns. Um, yeah, what's kind of specifically in China? What's the what's the market balance looking like there? Yeah, so the the lockdowns was a big factor when it came to um, their own domestic consumption. There was a lot of um, impacts on local logistics, um, you know, getting groceries delivered, those kinds of things, and that had a bit of an impact on dairy consumption there. The other side with the China picture is what's happening with their um, their own milk production, which has been tracking along really quite strong. Um, so with that, you know, with that increase of milk that they've been seeing, um, they've had to obviously utilise that milk. So if their domestic consumption is, uh, you know, is has been going down or has, has been easing, um, that obviously means that they're, they're not importing as much because they've got all of this product domestically that they need to use. Um, so now we've seen that China's reopened. Um, there's been a lot of, you know, a lot of hope within the market that we would see China come back and, and you know, restart that importing and, and be able to sort of, I guess, fuel that that demand picture and help support commodity prices. Um, and I think we are starting to see a bit of a consumption rebound there as people move out and about. Um, we've been hearing reports that they're still quite cautious in a sense. There's obviously a lot of COVID around there. So just from a health point of view, people are cautious of moving around. Um, but, but that consumption has been rebounding, which is quite a positive thing. 
um, particularly as they sort of work through their own domestic stockpiles. Um, but but that will take some time as well. So I think there's you know a lot of a lot of positivity around what that might mean for later this year for global demand. Um, whether as they work through those stockpiles, maybe that importing does come back online. Um, I think the last couple of GDT events, there's been you know, some reports of of um, North Asian buyers sort of coming in and participating a little bit more as well. So I think that's quite a, a positive indicator for the market. Yes, that's certainly not a um, not a bad feature from you know. Uh, well, once you consider the you know the potential scenarios over the balance of the year, but we're certainly in a period. It's fair to say where you've got really strong indicators in the domestic market, but things have really uh, have weakened quite significantly. Um, overseas, and, and again, to your point, that might that might change. But uh, uh, but obviously, we're you know in Australia, we're still selling product for quite some premium over those uh, international prices because we just don't have as much, and so we can drive a harder bargain. Um, and and one of the things too, I want to you know remind people of here. I've been you know out there saying it to to people over the last couple of weeks is you you got to remember that context too. You know, we're still in this period of um, you know, you know real Global geopolitical uncertainty. There's a, there's a lot of risk out there. Um, you know, natural gas and fertilizer prices are one uh, one example of that. You know, it would only take a you know an escalation uh, in a conflict, be it in Ukraine or somewhere else, and, and all of a sudden those settings change uh, quite dramatically as well. And I think uh, most of us would be aware that in 2023, there's certainly no shortage of of potential risks out there. So it's a very uh, it's a very volatile world, which can um, translate very quickly to to what's affecting us. Um, look, I think we keep we keep this one fairly short and sweet, Eliza. But um, uh, yeah, those I think we've covered off on the on the you know some of the key points from the report. Obviously, it's available uh, on the website to read. But from from your point of view, again, as as lead author, you've been across the whole document from you know start to finish quite a few times now. Um, what would what would be the key takeaways? Do you think from uh, from the report from your perspective? Yeah, so one of which would be probably around, you know, the higher retail prices and just being able to inject that significant value back through the supply chain is obviously quite a positive thing at the moment. Um, you know, I think our, our limited milk pool has um, in a way sort of been insulating uh, the industry from some of those global pressures that we've been seeing overseas. I mean, there's obviously been a huge commodity downturn at the moment. So, um, so that sort of helped insulate from that. Um, partially. Um, but, you know, there's still those pressures on farms, even though that we have been seeing that those uh, fert costs have been coming down a little bit. Um, there, there's still those pressures there. Um, and so, you know, that that strong competition amongst the processors um, for the milk is, you know, is likely to support, continue supporting those milk prices and, um, yeah, supporting the opening uh, minimum farm gate milk prices into the into the new season when it comes to the uh, start of June. It's going to be upon us very, very soon, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, th- thanks very much for that, Eliza. I hope uh, <laughs> I hope everyone found that interesting and has a chance to again jump on the website, download the report. Um, you know, we're always pretty easy to find at Dairy Australia. If you uh, if you got any feedback or if there's anything else that you want to read about in those reports, and uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time to listen. If you would like to read the full March 2023 Situation and Outlook report. You can find it at www.dairyaustralia.com.au forward slash Sando. We have also placed the link in this episode's notes. If you have any questions about this podcast or have suggestions for ideas for future episodes, you can get in touch with us by emailing dairypod 
at dairyaustralia.com.au. Thanks very much for listening and bye for now.